Chapter Two of the Christmas Child by Hesba Stretton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: Joan's Search. Miss Priscilla Perry's head servant, old Nathan, took to Joan from the first. He was a white-headed, strong old man, nearly seventy years of age, but still able to do a fair day's work or to take the whole management of affairs if Miss Priscilla were laid up, which she never had been in all her life he had lived as a boy with her grandfather and as a man with her father and the farm seemed to belong as much to him as to her like most of the people about he was no churchman and being very ready of speech he was a favorite preacher to the little congregations meeting in some of the farmhouses scattered about the mountains every sunday evening there was a service held in priscilla's kitchen when twenty or thirty of the neighbors would come in to listen to nathan's sermons of late years a number of young men some of whom came long distances had been in the habit of attending these sunday evening meetings old nathan liked this very much but aunt priscilla's heart was devoured by anxiety some of the new hearers were neighbors sons steady dull young farmers too awkward and shamefaced to push themselves forward but there were others bold young sailors used to voyaging hither and thither and to making their own way in strange places who did not hesitate to put themselves in the very front close by the settle where she sat and to sing bass to rhoda's treble and even to find the text for her in the bible one of them a notorious young scamp evan price was aunt priscilla's greatest plague and aversion but she never caught a single word or glance from rhoda which could show that the girl encouraged him or any one among the others and as long as that was the case she was willing enough for them to look at her treasure or long for it but she could not bear the idea of losing it to little joan everything was a delight there had been the hay harvest and the corn harvest and the cutting of fern on the mountains for winter fodder and the threshing of the corn on the barn floor and the piling up of great heaps of straw in the wide bays on each side of the barn and now christmas was coming joan had never kept christmas and knew nothing about it but at aunt priscilla's farm it was a great day as it always had been since she could remember every relative who could come to the farm was invited weeks beforehand and nothing else was talked of but christmas day the sunday evening before it came old nathan's sermon was all about the shepherds in the field and how they found the little babe lying in the manger and he told the story so well that joan did not go to sleep at all but sat listening to him with her dark eyes wide open is it our manger rhoda she asked when they went upstairs to their own little room to bed will the baby lying in our manger to-morrow morning perhaps answered rhoda nobody knows whose manger he will come to oh i wish it could be ours cried joan eagerly i wish mary and joseph would bring the little baby here and the shepherds had come to seek for him wouldn't you love it rhoda shall we too get up early very early in the morning like the shepherds did and go and look in our manger if he's there asked rhoda 
oh yes yes answered joan almost wild with delight oh rhoda only suppose the baby should be there long before old nathan was stirring or any one else in the house was awake rhoda and joan crept quietly down their own little staircase and after lighting the candle in nathan's great horn lantern they let down the bar of the house door and stepped out into the fold it was very dark but the dim light from the lantern sparkled upon a fine hoar-frost which lay like silver on the causeway and glittered on every straw scattered about the yard not a sound was to be heard except a very soft low moan from the sea and that they listened for as they stood still on the doorstep joan's heart was beating fast and her small fingers clasped rhoda's hand tightly as they stole along the causeway to the cowshed just beyond the barn the cowshed was divided into two and they passed through the outer one where the cows were lying in their stalls and turned their large sleepy eyes upon the two girls as if to inquire why they were disturbed so early in the little shed beyond the fodder and the hay were kept and the stalls were empty the barn opened into it and the deep black space under the high roof of the barn served to deepen the delicious awe in joan's little heart rhoda herself trembled a little with a strange feeling of seeking something which possibly might be found she had never realized so vividly that the lord jesus christ was indeed born in a stable and cradled in a manger and she trod softly with her heart beating like joan's faster than usual they stood still for a minute on the low door-sill their lantern casting its dim rays into the silent shed behind them was the deep breathing of the cows and the slow sound of their munching and all about them was the sweet familiar scent of the hay but this silent empty spot half lit up by the lantern seemed a strange unfamiliar place they hardly dared to enter rhoda lingered with a vague awe in her heart whilst little joan grasped her hand as if in terror let us sing hark the herald angels whispered rhoda very softly with a timid and tremulous voice rhoda began the hymn and little joan took it up in an undertone they sang the verses through gathering courage as they did so then with solemn steps they approached the manger and raised the lantern to look into its cradle lined with hay it was empty i suppose mary has gone somewhere else said little joan half grieved it wasn't in her way to come here perhaps or you and me we'd have been so glad rhoda perhaps she'll come next christmas answered rhoda we'll come and look every christmas morning and sing our hymn and perhaps we shall find them some time mary and joseph and the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger now we'll go back and wake up auntie and tell her all about it aunt priscilla hardly knew what to think of it rhoda had always been given to making believe she had often played at being david killing goliath with a smooth pebble from the brook or ruth gleaning in the fields or the queen of sheba with a crown of cowslips visiting king solomon for the last few years these fancies had left her but they were all coming back again with little joan 
and going to look for the child Jesus in the manger. Was it right or wrong? She spoke privately to Nathan, and the old man smiled, though he shook his white head. They'll grow older and wiser in time, he said, and sure the Lord would never be angered with two young creatures seeking after him in any way. But when next Christmas came, all was changed at the farmhouse on the mountain. There had been no preparations made for keeping it as a holiday, and no gathering of kinsfolk was invited by Priscilla Perry. Nathan unbarred the kitchen door and lighted little Joan across the fold, but she went into the stable alone and stood on the threshold singing the Christmas hymn with a sad, pale face that wore a lonely and frightened expression. The manger was empty, as it had been the year before but the home seemed empty, too. All Joan knew of the beginning of this mournful change was that she awoke one pleasant sunny morning and found Rhoda gone. That day Aunt Priscilla roamed about the farmstead and the scattered fields her grandfather had enclosed upon the mountain, like one distracted, calling everywhere for Rhoda. The farm laborers loitered about the fold and the little blacksmith's shop, whispering mysteriously whenever Joan had been within hearing. There had been nobody to keep them to their work, for Nathan was away all day, and did not return till the late sunset was past, and even the loftiest peak of the highest mountain stood grey and dark against the sky. Nobody had bade Joan to go to bed, and she was afraid of her little lonely separate room, if Rhoda was not coming back to sleep with her. Not a single word had Aunt Priscilla spoken to her all the day, and if the young servant-girl had not given her some bread and a bowl of milk, she would have been left without food, for Aunt Priscilla had not eaten a morsel, or sat down in the kitchen since the early morning. Joan had curled herself up in a corner of the oak settle, which stood as a screen on one side of the corner fireplace, and had fallen fast asleep there when she was aroused by Nathan's voice. He spoke so quietly and sadly that it did not quite awake her, and her drowsy ears took in the sound as if he had been talking to someone a long way off. But suddenly Aunt Priscilla spoke, in a voice so terrible and loud that she woke up in a fright. Her aunt was standing in the middle of the floor, and the light from a candle fell upon her face, weary and grey, and drawn into a frown of stern and passionate anger. "'She shall never enter my doors again!' she exclaimed. "'Neither she nor her husband, Evan Price, the worst scamp in the country. I'll never forgive her. Deceiving me all these months. Let nobody ever name her name to me again. She is dead to me for ever.' "'No, no,' said old Nathan sorrowfully. Don't thee harden thy heart against her, Miss Priscilla. She's been deceived as well as us, poor young ignorant lass. She doesn't know what Evan is yet. A handsome young rascal is all the girls make much of. If she repents, and she will repent, poor creature, thou must pardon her. Never, cried Aunt Priscilla, not on my deathbed. Forgive us our sins as we forgive them as sin against us, he answered in a very mournful and solemn voice. "'I'll never pray that prayer again,' 
she said fiercely i haven't sinned against the lord as she sinned against me i've never brought shame and disgrace on him the lord may pardon her but i can't hush exclaimed nathan hush god himself is hearkening to us our sins against him are as if we owed him ten thousand talents and the sins of our fellow-creatures against us are no more than a hundred pence it is our crucified lord that says it ah thou knowest it well o oh, thou wicked servant said the lord in the parable i forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow-servant even as i had pity on thee and his lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother his trespasses it's an awful thing when the heavenly father delivers a soul to the tormentors may god in his infinite mercy deliver thee only take heed that thou drive not away his holy spirit from thee and priscilla said no more but went away upstairs leaving the kitchen in utter darkness joan trembled from head to foot as she listened to her heavy tread in the room above when old nathan struck a light her white scared little face was the first thing he saw he sat down on the settle beside her and took her tenderly into his arms it's a sad day for thee too my little lamb he said thou's lost a playfellow and there's hard times before thee where's rhoda asked joan trembling she's been tempted away from us he said sorrowfully by one as pretends he loves her more than us but thou must go to bed my little lass see i'll carry thee upstairs i'm a poor rough nurse for thee but my room's next to thine on the other side of the wall and thee can cry to me in the night if thou's frightened and to-morrow i'll knock a hole through the wall so as thou can hear me speak to thee but there is no wall between thee and the lord he's close beside thee and thou need never be affrighted but little joan was frightened both that night and many another dark hour when she felt herself alone in the solitary little room the child's life became very hard and desolate aunt priscilla took no notice of her beyond providing her with food to eat and clothes to wear she did not talk to her and she never took her on her lap or kissed her sometimes joan would creep timidly to her side and look up into her face but aunt priscilla never seemed to see her there was nothing for the little girl to do but to wander solitarily about the fields or sit up in her lonely room with no one to speak to her for hours together she was more desolate than she had been in london for there her mother had sometimes come up to the attic to play with her or to nurse her in her arms for a few minutes there was no one to love her now except old nathan there was a still greater change in miss priscilla perry the neighbors said she was gone out of her mind and it was true that all her nature seemed turned to hardness and sternness she was never seen to smile nor did she speak a word that was not absolutely necessary she gave up going to church and market and she refused to see any visitor who came up to the farm on sunday evening when the usual meeting was held in her kitchen 
and the curious neighbors came in larger numbers than usual they no longer saw her in her old place on the settle where rhoda's pretty face had made so strong a contrast with her aunt's miss priscilla after rhoda's foolish flight always retreated to her bedroom overhead in which there was a small trap-door made when her mother was bedridden that she might hear the prayers and the sermon and the singing in the kitchen below it was some weeks before old nathan who looked every sunday if the trap-door was open saw that it had been lifted up and knew his mistress was listening when miss priscilla was downstairs about her work it was a sad sight to see her her gray hair had gone quite white and her eyes were worn out with weeping her shoulders were bent as if she was always stooping under a heavy burden and she seldom lifted her head or looked up from the ground joan often saw her lips moving though no sound came through them everybody except old nathan thought she was mad End of chapter two